morning, what I want to do is, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but I want to talk to you this morning. I want to continue what I shared, started last week. I want to talk about a faith that overcomes. How many of you know that we need overcoming faith in our lives many times? And so if you, if you weren't here last week, we started uh, in the book of Nehemiah. And if you want to go there to uh, the book of Nehemiah, just as a review, if you're looking for it in your Bible, it's between Ezra and Esther. Right there, and Nehemiah wasn't a, a, a priest or a prophet. He was actually a cupbearer for the king. We talked what a cupbearer represented. None of us have ever met a cupbearer. We found out last week, I've never seen a cupbearer, but a cupbearer was kind of like secret service. They would actually taste the, the cup before the king would be able to drink or eat food. So they had to be a trusted person because people would try to poison the king. So how many of you know you want a trusted person to be your cupbearer? I said the only experience I've ever experienced of being a cupbearer is going to Dairy Queen and trying out my children's uh, ice cream. You know, that's about the cup, the most I've become a cupbearer. But anyway, he was, he, 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 he had a great job. Think about it. He was the cupbearer, so he's trusted by the king. He eats with the king. He's hanging out with the king. He meets the king's friends. I mean, he has a lot of influence and he has a lot of favor. How many of you say he had it kind of going on? And so he had it going on and he was comfortable. He was, he was, not only was he comfortable, but he was successful in his practice. And he was respected by the king. And so what happens is we know that starting this story last week that he gets he sees these guys that are from his 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 home country of Jerusalem and he just asks them he says hey man how's it going in Jerusalem and they give him a report and as he begins to hear because see the Jewish people they weren't just they weren't just separated in groups or countries they were scattered all over and that what we talked about a biblical term they were exiled. They were just in little, they were just, they were spread all over the place. And what happened is, is that he comes to the place and he begins to hear the report, how the walls are broken down and and, then God begins to grip him and he becomes aware. We talked about learning how to be aware of what happens in our community, how we see things around us. We don't know how many of there's a lot of things you can read in the paper or you can live in a neighborhood, but there's so many other things that we need to be aware of in our own community. You know, there are kids that are cutting themselves. There are kids that are, they're, they're abandoned by their parents. There are kids that are trying to raise up. There are parents right now that, that, there are people right now that are talking about divorce in this whole community. And the kids hear it. And what they're done, what happens is there's something's happening in their own hearts. And so we don't know. That's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I've read this week and just, I, I get the paper and I, I read all, it seems like every day there's somebody. It doesn't matter where they're at. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. There's somebody in our town that, that, that is making bad decisions and they're facing consequences for their bad decisions. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And it's ruined families. And, and what happens is God gives him a burden. And what happens is he's moved into, I see, it's one thing to know about something. So all of a sudden we become aware of something. Then we get a burden. We know that Nehemiah went away and he began to weep and cry before God. Because all of a sudden he was aware of something he wasn't aware of. Then he had a burden. And in that burden he goes, man, I got to do something about it. I got to take action. And how many you know that God wants us not just to know in our heads, but God wants us to take action in doing something about what we see? Because we become, see, it's one thing you can't hide from it, but when you find out about it, you're responsible. 
And so we know that that's just a little bit of review. So here, here's what's going to happen in this story this week. The king sends Nehemiah back to Jerusalem with his blessing. We talked about last week how he went back and it was a, a fearful moment in his life because the king could have his life. And, you know, it cost the king something because he had a trusted cupbearer. I mean, you know, it might take a while to get someone to raise someone up to be a cupbearer for you. Someone you can trust. So he was taking a chance too. And so what happens is Nehemiah is going, he's going back to Jerusalem with the king's blessings. And Nehemiah is going and he's rallying the people to rebuild the walls. He's going to, he's going to be challenged by a couple of guys, Samblet and Tabith. And what happens is they threaten him. We're going to talk about how they, they're going, he's going to be challenged. He's going to be threatened. And, and all of a sudden he works hard and he gathers skilled workers to help him. And in the midst of all that, he pick, it picks up momentum halfway done, and then Samblet and Tambleth, they're ready to go to war with him. And they're ready to take him out. And see, I've learned this. This is stories bigger than Nehemiah. See, this is actually, this work, this, this work restores Jerusalem. And I talked to you last week, if you took it in chronological order, if you go historically, if they put the book in the Bible where it should be, it should be after the book of Malachi. Nehemiah. Because what he was doing, he wasn't just rebuilding the walls to protect the city. He was reestablishing and rebuilding the walls for Jesus to enter into Jerusalem to start his ministry. And so how many of you know that us as people, not just as a pastor, but us as people, God's called us to be people that wait on the wall and watch what happens. We're called to be gatekeepers. It's not just about how big a church can be. It's about, it's about how God can enlarge our heart to see people the way God sees them. And I pray, and I pray that God would give you awareness like you've never had. You, would, you get Jesus contact lenses. You begin to see people like he sees people. You begin to get a Jesus pacemaker, and your heartbeat would be, beat after the heart of God. And then you would have a, a heart for your family and those that are lost without Jesus. And I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about them finding Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus becomes real and all of a sudden, it ha- something happens inside of them. How many of you know talking about? You went from religion, all of a sudden you went to a relationship. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just the, the picture of Jesus. It wasn't the Bible on the, 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 the table in your grandma's house, you know what I mean? And you looked at the pretty pictures. All of a sudden, the pages became alive. And all of a sudden, those red letters began to affect your own personal life. And all of a sudden, you go, wait, those red letters kind of might help me out. And then all of a sudden, you begin to go, you know what? I'm, I'm going full bore. I'm going to trust God with all my heart. And so what happens is a few late years, what happens is we know that Nehemiah left a safe place. We know that Jesus left a place that was safe and secure. That he left heaven. I talked about it's the hush of heaven when he announced. Can you imagine? Da, 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 da. Jesus is leaving heaven. What? All the angels probably went, what? Say who? Say what? What happened is he made the announcement. He was, why? To come, to show the Father's love. God loved us enough that he had one son, and he sent his son as a missionary to reach us. To show us the Father's love. And so what happens is, are y'all with me? So Nehemiah paves the way for Jesus. Amazing thing, Jesus doesn't just redeem. He calls us to live with the same kind of faith Nehemiah lived. And I'm going to talk about this. Why do, we, why do we love stories of redemption? Why do we love stories when people face life-threatening, you know, adversity? We can't get enough of them. You know what I'm talking about? You, you know, just recently, two weeks ago, they had a, little, a girl. She was 19. Her name was Lauren Hill. Many people saw it 
uh, on Facebook, Twitter, or on the news, or read it in the paper. She paid, her dream was to play basketball. And she had a scholarship to a Division three school, and it was called St. Joseph College. She was 19 years old. She had inoperable brain cancer. And what happened is she wasn't expected to live past this December, this past December. And what happened, she played her first college game, and she scored the first two points in the game, and she scored the last two points in the game. They said that she wouldn't be able to do that. And what happens is she helped raise $1.5 million of research for pediatric cancer. It tended on, the tw- on Twitter so much that even it got the attention of LeBron James. And LeBron James commented and he said, girl, you got my heart. And so what happens is she passed away two weeks ago. She, she, she was an example of courage. She was an uh, example of faith. But she, she died, in, but her, her courage consumed the nation. It was all over this, okay? It was all over whatever you have. You know what I'm saying? You just look it up on, you know, if you don't believe me, look, go to YouTube after, and you can see your, your parents. And they interviewed her parents, and they're not sad. They go, she lived her life. She lived to the best she could for what she had. We love stories. How many love stories like that? Where you just go, man, come on, girl. Come on, that, that inspires me to, to believe God for greater things. We hear a story about incredible courage and, and, and faith, and it just inspires us. And we think, where I get some of that? I need a little dab of do. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? I want a little bit of what she had. I want something to be contagious. See, you beat. You know, we beat ourselves up because we stir up. We, you know, we try to stir up our willpower and courage doesn't come that way. Well, if I just think, thinking, 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 thinking. I mean, we don't need to have stinking thinking. But we need it. What happens is that God begins. I mean, you know, I remember when I, I gave my life to the Lord and I told my girlfriend I was going to serve God. And I looked at her and, 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 and I said, you can serve him too. But if you don't, I'm out of here. And we're done. And she looked at me and she said, Bubba McCann, you've been brainwashed. And I looked at her and said, if you knew what was in my brain, you're glad I've been brainwashed. <laughs> God washes you. You know, I believe that there's two kind of thoughts. There's thoughts that wander toward God, and that leaves room for criticism and sin and all those other things. And there's thoughts that war, uh, lean toward God and go, God, I depend upon you no matter what I face. And see, here's the big challenge. Fear comes from self-preservation. I mean, you know what? Have you heard that word self-preservation? What does that mean, Pastor? We're going to talk about it. We get afraid when we put ourselves at risk. How many of you don't like risk? Come on, let's be honest. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hey, bold decoration. I believe this. Bold decorations require great risk. There's a lot of times you can go out and be bold about what you say, but you've got to step over the line to do what you said you were going to do. Come on. I meet a lot of people that, you know, they, they got great reputations. They go to church and everything, but they don't like taking risk. They know all the right phrases. They know all the right things. They don't know your name, so they call you brother and sister because they don't know your name. But what happens is, is that here's the big challenge. No way that to live by faith is, 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 is you have to have the ultimate risk. You got to be willing to risk things if you're going to live by faith. Come on. Am I in the right church? Come on, y'all, y'all looking like me, like, you know, like a deer looking at the headlights. 
If you could just see my point of view. But here's the thing is, is that what happens is Jesus understands better than anyone to help you to have faith to believe. In Mark, look at with me in Mark chapter 9. He says, but if anyone can, you know, here's this, this guy, this, this man has a son, he's got a situation, and it's a bad situation, and Jesus is coming, and, he said, and he's saying, Lord, help, help compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for him who what? Believes. For what? Believes. Believes. And he says, immediately the father, the father of the child cried and said, I believe. You ever feel this way? But help my unbelief. Come on, how many of you have been there? See, I believe this. I believe that faith, that faith has to overcome doubt. It has to overcome. God wants us to reach our potential. How many of you believe God wants you to reach your potential? God wants you to reach your purpose. God wants you to reach the goals that he set in your life. Come on. But you know, because we have two legacies in this life. We have a legacy that we come from. Are you with me? And sometimes we can't pick some of those circumstances and those situations that happened in our lives or we were violated or something happened. We can't choose what that legacy was, but we can choose the legacy that we leave when we leave this earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we have to overcome some of that old legacy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many had come from some bad stuff? Come on, let's be honest. You go, man, we ain't going to show the video this morning. Too ugly. But here it is, is that you say, I know, I know you want to believe, but I don't want, I don't want, here's, I know this, I don't want fear and worry to keep me from what God wants to do in my life. How many of you know the biggest enemy to faith is fear? You know, the Bible even says fear is a sin. Well, you know, you know what a kind word for fear is anxiety. I'm just anxious. Stop being anxious. Have faith. Fear. I, I mean, when I've done things, I, I saw an African-American lady. She's sweet. Well, I was getting a, 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 some treatments this week, and she's just sitting. She's got a smile from ear to ear. And I go, girl, you look so happy. She goes, I am. I said, really? She goes, yeah. And her and I have talked. She, she, she lives in Crowley, and she, she's part of a great church, and, and she has faith. She says, you know what? She goes, God wouldn't let me go through this. God doesn't want me to be an example. Amen. Come on. Amen. And so when I left that uh, last Monday, I said, can I just pray for you? She said, oh, come on, baby, pray for me. <laughs> so I prayed for her. And we just prayed together and believed in God. Because you know what? God wants you to be a place of light in a place of darkness sometimes. When people are living by fear, when they're living by example, by, by anxiety, when they're having a lot of doubts, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it. Or All these things, we have to, you know, you overcome fear by faith. What does that mean? God wants, you know, he wants us to trust him. How many believe God wants you to trust him? And sometimes we don't like what we're going through or we don't like what our test is or what's going to happen to us or what we're facing. But you got to trust God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Just trust God. I remember my, my uh, seventh grade English teacher at Cathedral Carmel in Lafayette. She used to have this cat, and he used to hang by one paw, and it said, hang in there, baby. You remember that old poster back in the 70s? Come on, all you older people like me. Okay? But I remember that. You say, that cat barely hanging on. I'd look at that cat, everything, and say, man, I'm barely hanging on, hanging on to in my English grade right now. I better hang in there. But what happens is, is, is what happens, you don't, 
You don't want unbelief to get the best of you. How many of you I'm talking about? What happens is we, we, want to become, we don't want to become anxious and fearful. We want faith. So how do you overcome it? Here's Nehemiah, and I'm going to give you four keys. If you have your notes, here's the first thing and I want to talk to you about is that we talked about, remember, God's got to make you aware. First, there's awareness. God opens your eyes. Then all of a sudden, God begins to do something in your heart. You begin a burden for people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, you go into action. And this is what happens. In order to have faith, these are some things, these are some keys. These are key insights that you can see through the book of Nehemiah. How to overcome your unbelief. Number one, faith starts with the word. Say it with me. With the word. word. See, Nehemiah, he says, remember. The instruction you gave your servant Joseph, saying, If you are fruitful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if, you ex- if your exiled people are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from here and bring them to a place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. So Nehemiah, he's not reading the Bible here. If you can see, he's praying the Bible. He's praying it. David said, I hide your word in my heart so I might not sin against you. The Bible says, you know, blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, for his delight is in the law of the Lord, or the word of God, and he will meditate on it day and night. And it will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of living water. Father, I don't want to walk in the counsel of wicked men. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, Lord, I'm going to taste a little water. It's good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And he said, how blessed is the man that takes refuge in him. How many of you know that when I'm walking in fear and I'm walking in anxiety, you know, I go, man, I got to get a taste of that. Come on, how many of you been out of town over, offshore and you're thinking, and you're coming home, you got to get a taste of them my wife's lips. Woo, baby. Got to get a taste. Don't look at me like I'm strange. You know what I'm talking about. I just got to get a taste. You know? And see, what happens is, Nehemiah isn't reading the Bible. How can he pray this way? He had the word memorized in his heart already. You see, no shortcuts. The best and most frequent way to hear God's voice is getting in the word of God. How many are talking about? And then what happens is, you begin to go, I need to put a little bit of that word in me. It's a, little dab do, a little dab won't do. I need to get a whole book. I need to get a whole, I mean, I need to get a verse. I mean, a verse a day won't keep the devil away. We know that. Come on. But if you, all of a sudden you begin to load on those things and see, you know, how do you overcome? You know, it's, I, I just know this. How many, you know, how many guys in here, you're fixers. You can fix anything. Come on, come on. I don't like you kind of guys. <laughs> I mean, man, you walk in this shed, they got a proliferate of tools. Come on. You know, you got a tool for this, got a tool, oh, I got to save one of those because this might happen. I mean, they just got the stuff. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, my little girl say, Daddy, my, 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 uh, my doorknob's broken. Add it to the list, baby. <laughs> you know, just add it to the list. You know, I am better than I used to be. Am I, baby? Just, she's kind of, well, no. Anyway. See, someone's keeping me honest up here. But see, I believe this. You know, there's some people, they got the stuff to fix things. They got the tools. Christians want to try and do things God called them to do, but they don't have the tools. The tools are the word of God. That's like a power drill going up in the... That's like adding four-wheel drive to your truck when you're going through the mud. Come on. That's like there's power. And see, it, what happens is in Romans, I love what it says. Romans says, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? 
Come on, some of you have been around the Word a little bit. Hearing what? The Word of what? The Word of God. Or Christ's words. That we hear God's words. It's something, you know what's been really cool? I'm in a season, I've been on these walks. And what happens is I put my headphones on and I'm listening to the Bible. I've listened to the whole New Testament on the Bible. First time I've ever done that. I've listened different times, but I didn't like the voices they had. This is where You sound creepy, you know what I mean? But I have a good one on, uh, on the Bible app, and I've just been listening to it. And it's a good voice. They have music in the background. They have little things happening. So it's kind of, you can, I'm, I'm a visual kind of guy. I like to see things, and I have a big imagination. So I can see it, you know, in my mind's eye. And what happens is we need, sometimes it's just hearing the word of God. How many of you know that you can go into a place? It's like my, my little granddaughter, Avery, Andrew, and Julie's little girl. I mean, she's still afraid of me. Like, last night I was playing with her, trying to play with her. And she, she was looking. For, she always looks for me, even though she kind of, it takes about five minutes, and she gets used to me. She'll let me hold her, and she'll, you know. And, and then last night, you know, she was watching me, and I was watching her. And then I go, and she's looking, and she didn't see I'm right here. And, and, like, on the other side, she turns around, and I go, hi. She goes, Aah! I go, I didn't mean to. Tracy goes, why are you picking on her? I'm not picking. I'm just trying to be nice. I didn't know I was going to scare the cheese out of her. But there's something when you, it's amazing. You can bring some kids somewhere, and then you, all of a sudden, all they need to do is hear their mother or father's voice. They can recognize it. Hey, you remember when you were a kid and your mom? See, when I was a kid, your mom, they didn't have cell phones. It was like, hey, where you at? Get your booty home now. You hanging out with who? Your, her hand would go down the sidewalk. If you're hanging around somebody stupid, you know what I'm saying? You go down the hallway, past the stop sign, find the left, see that you're hanging out stupid, slap them, and tell it has a finger, come home. How many I'm talking about? Back then, I mean, I had neighbors that could whip you back in the day. I'm not kidding you. Come on. See, Hebrews even says, like, without faith, it's impossible to what? To please God. God, See, a requirement, how many of you want to please God? God's going, hey, let's have a little faith, guys. And he says this. Look what he goes on to say. To please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I think about three people. Think about Abel. Abel. You know, the first guy that was the first offspring of Adam and Eve. And he comes. And what does he do? It's like kind of wild. He's so grateful for what God's done. He brings the best that he has. And he sacrifices it before God. His brother brings whatever's left over and tries to sacrifice. You know the story. I'm not there. How about Noah? They had never, I mean, God said, go build a boat. And he goes, okay, God, I'll build a boat. And he said, it's going to rain. What's that? It never rained before in the earth. It's going to rain. I'm going to pour the heavens down. Well, well, God, how big of a boat do you want? You imagine when he threw the blueprints down from heaven? Dang, that's a boat. <laughs> how many are you talking about? Oh, wow, I didn't know. I mean, boat. I mean, imagine two of all the animals on the face of the earth. The dinosaurs didn't make it. He goes, no, no room for you, Jack. Get over here. 
But what happens is, and then we know Abraham. God takes Abraham out, and he takes him on a walk, a stroll at night, and he goes, son, see all the stars? That's how your descendants are going to be. But Abraham had a problem. He didn't have any children. And we know, we talk about it, like he was getting old. And he was, the Bible says he was good as dead. You can figure that out. Okay, that's before Viagra. I'm just telling you the truth. Don't hey, the Bible's got lots of drama. And they got a lot of people who got a lot of drama. Just like your family. Just like you and me. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? And we always point to everything, but there's a lot of drama. But what happens is, is it, it what happens is it's it's them doing something. I think about, you know, there's times when my children have to exert faith. I can't just give them everything they want. I mean I'm talking about. I remember my son Andrew, when he went to Africa, he raised $12,500 to go to Africa to stay there a year. And then when he did, he bought a a VUCA, a VUCA, a VUCA. And it was like a motorcycle. And and when he left, he gave it to one of his friends. He didn't try to sell. He just gave it. I think about my son, Nat, that that lives in Nashville now. And and I remember him wanting to go to Africa with me. He said, son, you have to raise your own money, get your own ticket. I call some people, but that doesn't, that's not going to build your faith. And he raised the money. And then what happened, he went to Africa that year. He went to Korea with Manho. Remember that? His father from Korea called. And he goes, hey, we like Matt. Matt come to Korea. We buy ticket for Matt. My wife goes, can he go to Korea? Who is that? That's Manho's daddy. I said, no. She went like that. She was like, No. We don't even know who they are. Who are they? And then we go, all right. And they call. We talk. And he says, you can go. He went to California. That was in between his junior and senior year. Faith. You understand what I'm saying? Faith to believe. And sometimes we try to hold back. Listen, let me, let me just tell you this. And I'm going to go back to the message. Don't ever hold back whatever God made you to become from your children. Amen. However God used something in you, don't ever hold back that from your children. Sometimes it's called Wait. And we don't like to give it to them. But you know what? Sometimes it's the best thing for them. Amen? Amen. The second thing, faith always encounters, listen, this is a word you're going to love, resistance. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Nehemiah 2.19. When Sambalot, the hornet, hornet, whatever, and Taba, the Ammonite, servant of Gisham, the Abram, heard about it. They jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Now, wait a minute. No way to avoid God sets us up. How many know God's going to set you up for resistance? What what do you mean? Nehemiah, number one, we know this. He had the authority of the king. He had the permission of the king. And and nowhere, I mean, nowhere trust came, you know, came, you know, that's where his trust came from. But he wasn't leaning on the king. He didn't look at those guys and go, hey, you know what? Your mama, I'm a friend of the king. He didn't do that. He, he said, you know what? I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to go call the king. Oh, king, please, these bad guys. He goes, I'm trusting the king. Because he's not there on, just on the king's authority. He's on there by the authority of the living God. And he's there for the real king. And what happens is, Nehemiah, that faith is not trusting circumstances. It's all hope. It's our confidence has to come from God. Nehemiah had authority and pitch. Not where you, it's not where you came from. Real, it's your real trust has to be in God. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? I believe that faith 
is, is a muscle like when you go to the gym. The only way muscle is built is by resistance. Come on. You know how you're going to get stronger in your faith? Having a little headwind coming your way. A little bit of resistance. You know, it makes you stronger. How many are you talking about? And see, what happens is, I, I just tell you my story. I just say resistance. When we came 15, almost 16 years ago, is it, I don't know, is it 15, 16? Yeah, what is it, Josh? 15, okay, 15 years ago, when we came to Jenny's, I came here because my pastor and a prophet spoke over my life as a friend, and Pastor Jim, Pastor Jacob, and other people said, we, we, we want to send you. And I remember the resistance came. A guy from a denominational guy called me and goes, hey, man, he, and he looked, he said, are you really called to go to Jenny's? And I remember I said, well, let me ask you the difference. What's the difference of being called and sent? I said, because, can I tell you something? If God, if God's sending me, this is what's going to happen. Either God's going to bless it, and if it's not God, it's going to fall through. But guess what? It's all God because i got to obey God ultimately. Amen? i got to obey him. And see, what happens is there's resistance. I remember when we were going to buy this land, and some of you that don't know, I mean, I mean, we were meeting at the Holiday Inn, and then they jacked their prices up double on their prices on us in, in like in a weekend and we go in and go in there. So we literally had churches and horse stables and barns and, and the VFW. And I'm not kidding you. I literally felt like I was like Moses. And next week, we don't know where we'll be, but we'll try to just let the spirit lead. Like people, what? I literally, man, I mean, there was times, can I just be honest with you? There was times that things would happen. I'd be preaching and the fire alarm would go off at the Holiday Inn. I remember going outside, hey, there's a fire fixing to happen. But some of y'all don't, I mean, I just started preaching outside to people. I remember showing up on a midweek and to go show up, and no one showed up. Can I tell you something? You want to talk about discouraged? You want to talk about down? You want to talk about encouraging yourself in the Lord? I can remember then we bought the property. We bought three and a half acres right here. And then, and, and then, and I remember looking at the land over there and, and, and Mr. S- Mr. Sonia, you know, he's a sweet man. But one day I went out there, talked to him, his cow, he's got a big old chaw. And he goes, I go, hey, how's it going? No, I didn't have a chaw. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> can I borrow one? Hey, I just said, hey, would you ever think you would ever like sell this land? And I never forget. I'm not going to tell you what he told me. I'll, I'll clean it up. Heck no. I remember the day that we actually going to buy the property. Like there was a two and a half acre strip right there. And I went over there and, and we're, gonna, uh, we're going to the bank. We're going to make the deal and everything else. And he goes, come see me. And I'm going there and he goes, I ain't selling the land. I mean, we had told the church we'd raise the money. We are going to pay for it. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I look like an idiot. The church doesn't know I look like an idiot right now. But in my mind, I have all these things rolling through my What am I going to tell people? They're not even going to believe me. They think it's another, they're going to think it's a, a scam. Or they're going to think, come on, how many are you talking about? And the devil goes, ha, 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 ha. And I looked at his wife, and I just went over there and go, but he said, 
He was going to, I just started talking to her, but he promised and he said, and I mean, I had someone shaking. I mean, I, in my, and, and I came back and I just, I came and that's when we were in the front building. I went to a little place and I just sat at the desk and I said, God, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to do it. Work it out. 15 minutes later, he goes, Bubba, come see me. He goes, I'll sell you the land, but only up to right. He goes, show me only right here. I go, I want 15 feet. I said, you can have 10, 15, 20 feet. I don't care what you have. You know what really happened? Can I just be honest with you? His wife cussed him out. (laughs) He had a revelation of a different guy. (laughs) Cut off. I'm going to cut you off. You cut that little boy off. Anyway. And then Joshua was doing Friday Night Lives, and that's when we'd have anywhere between 300 to 700 kids come on a Friday night. You remember those? For some of you, some of you weren't around. And, and, we, and then when I was going over there to start the new season, I said, hey, the music's going to get loud. And we became friends by then. And then what happened? They go, oh, don't matter, Bubba. We can't hear anyway. Y'all get that crank it up. <laughs> and his wife goes, hey, y'all want some more land? I go, Miss Sonia, don't you dare tell me you want to sell some land. You know me. She goes, why don't y'all buy this from me? And I said, well, I got some guys building a house right now. Denny and Jamie were in business. They were flipping houses. We bought their land, and they bought Denny and Jamie's house. I mean, I could go down the list. This sanctuary that you're sitting in, okay? We were believing God. We were having two services in, the, in that front. Before you were, that's where our church, we walked from that building to there right there, and now we're in here, and now we're running out of room in here. Now, let me just tell you something. What happened when I found out, this is for all you that are new. All that you've been around, you know the story. Just bear with me. But it's good to remember where you came from. And I remember sitting, on the, sitting in the chemo chair, getting my second treatment. And I remember I was just thinking, God, you gave me a dream. And the devil was messing with me, and I said, God, I'm believing the dream. God, we need a bigger place. How is it going to happen? Then a friend of mine called. He's in our Crowley church now. He said, hey, Bob, what you doing? I go, well, I'm about to get a treatment. He goes, you know, I had so much fun last year giving to what we did with those matching funds. He said, I just want to give again this year. Y'all got something going on? He goes, I can make something happen. He goes, I'll give y'all six weeks. Whatever y'all raise in six weeks, I'll match it dollar for dollar. Okay, well, listen, I go, how about seven weeks? <laughs> hey, look, well, you got the man on the phone. Come on. Because I knew we needed a plan. We knew we gonna take a, I said, hey, you can have seven weeks. And in seven weeks, this church raised $86,500. Okay, that's God. That's you. That's people stepping out in faith, but not believing fear, not having anxiety, but stepping out of faith. And this building you're sitting in, it's paid for. Cash, money, Jesus money. Come on, give it to the Lord. Paid. Come on, how you like going? It's paid. I like when people go, hey, man, I like you, but it's paid for. God. Paid. Paid. We ain't even paying no carpet bill. We ain't paying no drum set bill. It's not. It's paid. Amen. Say I mean paid. paid. 
How many of there's a difference between being a renter and an owner? Come on. And see what happens. I know I'm going back to the story. I'm just having fun now. But see, out of that, think about this. Out of all those things, you know, you're sitting here, but you know what? What, what God has done, it started 15 years ago with my wife and I, Pastor Josh, my family coming here 15 years ago and saying, God, we don't know where they are, but we got empty seats. You know what we started doing? We started praying over every seat. God filled this seat with people because we believe in reaching people, building lives. We want to reach people and see them grow in their faith. You see, I believe that, and think about it, 15 years ago, we stepped out in faith, and God told us we we're going to be a regional church. I used to tell people, let me ask you a question. How many of you, this is your only experience of our Savior's church is just being in this building? Come on, this, this is all you've ever known. Come on, just raise your, I want, I want to know. Just raise it up high. Come on. Come on. Okay, all right. Do I need to do the lie test again? Okay. How many of you, you this is the only experience you've had is just being in this sanctuary? Okay, many people. Okay. See, what happens is, is that because of that, Pastor Josh is now the campus pastor here. We sent the best. And then Pastor Jamie went and took our, we actually, you know, you come here. This is not just, this is not our, just our church. We're three churches. We're, we're three campuses with one church. We actually have a Eunice campus on, 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 on 90. It's the main, I mean, you can't miss the church if you go on, on uh, 190. It's right there. Then now we have the, the Crowley. We have the Rice Theater in Crowley. How I many of you that's pretty cool? And we got free rent for two and a half years. How I many of you that's pretty cool? But we bought, a, we bought a movie screen for them so they got movies there again. But when we leave that and have our own place, we're, it, we're giving it as a gift to the city, of, the city of Crowley. That's God. That's God. That's Faith. And see, faith always, instead of seeing, being protective and having self-preservation, why most people quit. That's why people quit. You know, we could have just said, well, we're not going to go outside of Jenny's. We're just going to stay here. God, how many of there's a lot of lost people all around South Louisiana? Have you been to a festival lately? You know, so fear is the best way to raise and make you smaller. You hide, you preserve, and you duck, and you withdraw when you walk in fear. But when you walk, see, you same city where they killed Jesus, the same reason the Jews and the Romans killed Jesus, because he threatened their system. When people rise up in the church world because they're comfortable, and we, we need a vote on that, it's because they feel there's resistance. How many are you talking about? And some of you come out of church hurt, where people run it, you know, can I just say, this is pastor-led and elder-informed here. I'm just letting you know how we, how we do things around here. And so what happens is, the first thing is, faith always makes you bigger. It helps you grow. It helps you to learn to give. It helps you to love people. It helps you to have the heart to help people. Fear always turns inward, and you look down on what you have. You go, well, that's all I got. Faith, let me, let me just say this. Faith lifts, lifts up your eyes, and you look to God and go, God, you are my provision, and you're my provider, and you are my protector. Amen. And the third thing is faith is contagious. Say me, say contagious. I don't have time to read it all, but you can go back in Nehemiah 3. But there's a list of names and their detailed work each contributed to the project. 
They got a rally. They got a rally going on. And, and every couple of months, we try to do rally where we have all three campuses come together. We just rally, rally. And both faith and fear are, are, are contentious. We see, you see, well, but they can't, they can't, it's like oil and water. They just don't mix. Faith and fear. How am I talking about? But what happens is people who aren't afraid will jump. Let me, people that are afraid will jump on you. They prey on you and they'll feed your fears. How am I talking about? Just feed your fear. Uh, well, you know, you know, y'all, you know, I don't know if we ought to be, you know. You just fill in the blanks. You need to get around people that are filled with faith. What, is, what do you mean, Pastor? The ability that helps you have the ability to trust and believe God will do what he said he would do, and you will grow. Listen, you know what God's mission for our lives are is that we grow in him. You can't stay at the same place for so long because you know what? Everything, the ground around you gets stagnant. You know why they move sheep? Because they'll defecate and they'll go to the bathroom. The water's where they are and all that. They'll eat all the grass up for the roots. So they got to move them to another field so they don't pollute. And that's how the church world can get. You know, we've been, we've been in this same spot for 20 years, we can tell. Zach and I went and saw a church that they wanted us to Think about buying when we went to Crowley. And when we walked in, can I tell you something? You know what we felt? We, after we went, said, man, it didn't feel like. When we walked out, we go, did you feel what I did? I go, bro, it felt like a funeral home. Felt like a funeral. Like a vision died a long time ago. How many are you talking about? And sometimes you can go into church, you can't tell if it's a funeral home or a church. And it's not the age, it's where they are in their hearts. You see, you can't do the Christian life alone. You know, that's why we have weekend gatherings. That's why we have life groups. That's why we have the herd. That's why they have arise nights and grow nights. We do church in circles, not just in rows, because we want contagious Christians and people that are contagious faith to spread. Amen. That means you get face to face with someone and go, hey, I'm really struggling. What do you mean? Well, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm facing. Man, let's just pray for you. Let's believe God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have had struggles in your life? How many of you know that sometimes in struggles, you feel, that, you feel that weight, but all of a sudden you need to get around someone that's happy? Somebody just got the joy of the Lord as their strength. You know what I'm talking about? I love the story. There's a guy, he's going to, his mother goes in to, to get uh, checked out, and they find out that she has pancreatic cancer. When you have pancreatic cancer, they, they, they just like, and they said, baby, the doctor said, the doctor looked at his, he goes, ma'am, you got two weeks. And I like what she says. She goes, say what? Two weeks? What you talking about, doctor? She goes, you got two weeks, go get your house in order. Go call people that you love and go see your last visit because you're fixing to go. She goes, wait, what? She goes, I serve the God of all hope. I don't know what you're talking about, but my God will, my God will supply my healing. God, my God will do what he needs to do in my life. I'm not, God, you need some hope. Two weeks later, they went to go do a procedure because she was doing better and they wanted to see what was going on. They walked in there. And they went to examine her to give her a, a, a CAT scan. And all of a sudden, they, and they come out and they go, and her son's waiting there. And they're, they're both Christians. And he goes, what happened? And he goes, 
There ain't nothing. We couldn't find anything. Amen. She said, what? So she wakes up. They wake up and she goes, they go, mama. She goes, they couldn't find nothing. She goes, so what? She goes, how many you know it surprises you sometimes when your faith works? She goes, so what? She goes, where's that doctor? Ain't got no hope. <laughs> I want to see that doctor. Ain't got no hope. The last thing is faith fights back and presses on. Nehemiah 4.16. Y'all learn anything? Okay, I'm going just a little bit longer than I did last week, but I'm coming to the end. From that day on, who give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 20. All right, I got 20 minutes. Right. From that day on, half of the service, see the rest of you know me, so y'all don't raise your hand. Worked on construction and half held the spears and the shields and the bows and the coats of nail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried the burdens were loaded in such a way that each labor of, on the work with one hand and held his weapon on the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. And can I just say something? I know that some of you are fighting, but can I tell you something? We're going to fight and we're going to build here. We're going to repair the walls of this region and this city and this community. Not us, our God. God's looking for people that will stand in the gap and say, God, enough is enough. We see what's happening in our country. It's not being political, but we see it. Christians feel things. That something's not right. I mean, Tom, we just, why do we feel it? Because we're, we're perceptive to the things in the heavens and the earth. We, we, we feel things that the, the rest of the world don't feel, feel sometimes. And what happens is, he's saying this, he's asking you to fight and build at the same time. You're not fighting people. You're not, you're fighting darkness in the community and, and, and you know, Know, the worship of stuff, the worship of money, the worship of pleasure. You got to, but can I tell you something? This is what we want to, we want to build bigger people. There's a big difference between having bigger stuff and building bigger people. And see, what, what we need more space. How I many you know that we, look, if, if you think we're kind of full in here, go see where the kids are. I mean, let me tell you something. Those, those people aren't back there giving your children red Kool-Aid and crackers. They go there and they minister to the children. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because we don't want them to come back with a little red Kool-Aid stains. And go, hey, Mama, it was so fun. OSC Kids is maxed out. There's only two things we got to do. We either got to make room or you got to stop having children around here. I'm just telling you. It's not trying to build bigger buildings. It's not, it's not build bigger. We want to build bigger people who lead. We want leaders. We want people that will lead. What does that mean? That you're not going to be behind, but you're going to lead. You're gonna, men, you're going to lead your family to serve Jesus with all their heart. Amen. Men, you're going to love your wives like Christ said that you love the church. When's the last time you laid down your desires for your wife? That you, you're an example to your children that they can say, you know, my daddy, my daddy's word is good as his bond. My mama, she's a godly woman. Man, she listens to God. It's not just, you know, oh, the preacher. You know what I'm saying? You're driving up. I told you we shouldn't. Pastor Bubba. Hey, Pastor Bubba. 
I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. You see, for some of you, raise your hand. This is your only experience of OSC. And I think, I think about many people that are out there that still don't. There's still some empty seats. We let the kids loose. But there's also, there's also adults ministering to your children. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And when I say ministering, I don't take that lightly. I mean, they're ministering. When I see them, I mean, I look at them. and You know what? Can I, just, can I ask you to do a favor? When you go pick up your children today, why don't you thank someone? For just ministering to your children. Amen. Instead of, come on kids, let's go. See y'all later. Hey, thanks for what you're doing for ministering to the kids. You don't know what that will do to everybody that ministers back there. Because they're praying. They prepare during the week. It's not like, you know, oh, they gave me the notes this morning. No, we give them a long time ahead of time. So they can study so they can hear the voice of God. They can pray for your children and minister to them. That's as important as you getting ministered to. You know, kids go through things. They have burdens. They have vision. You see, when was the last time you did something crazy for God? Sometimes you're going to start in his word. You know what? I'm going to pick up the word. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to read it. And I'm going to learn it. I'm going to put it in my heart. Did you let resistance push you back? And you're trying to live in self-preservation? I'm just, I, I can't handle it anymore. I believe this. Right before the breakthrough, God, right when you feel like you're going to be broken, there's right on the other side is the breakthrough for you. My wife looked at me and says, you know, Bob, every time we go to get your treatment, you always say, I'm believing God for a divine miracle. She, said, she asked me, why do you say that? I said, because I need to remind myself and I'm reminding the doctors too. Are you hearing me? I mean, it's a four and a half year journey. But can I tell you something? I believe this God's still good no matter what I face. He's the same God. He's the same God that saved me, rescued me, and he's the same God that can deliver me. Are you hearing me? Yeah. He's the same God. Like little Joel went and had his procedure. They're amazed at his heart. Amen. What, am, what am I asking you to do? When's, any, when's the last time you did something in faith that made no sense and you just had God speak to you and say, Jesus, I'll do what you're telling me to do. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. This is no pressure. You know, under your seat, there's an envelope, and it's a reach envelope. And next weekend, we're, it's going to be called Reach Weekend. And I'll just say that we've already pledged over like 623000 Is that right? There's already been people that have already been here have already pledged $623,000 for three years. Okay? That was to help the Crowley Church get started. That's to build our reach center. And it's not just about a building. It's about building bigger people. How many of you know we do a lot of outreach in this city? You know, we do a lot of things and it's because we want to do after school care for not babysitting, but we want to do things that mentor kids after school. We want to do things where we do teacher appreciations and we've done many different things like that, but do things in our community. And when we do vacation Bible school, we don't do it here on the grounds. We go to the community and do it where they're at. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so what happens is, you know, I'm asking every one of you just to grab an envelope. This is all I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to pray. And ask God to show you what he wants you to do. That's all I want you to do. 
That's all I want you to do. What does that mean, Pastor Bubba? That's all I want you to do. I want you to take that envelope and say, God, what would you have us commit to? Maybe it's a monthly pledge. Maybe it's a weekly pledge. Maybe it's an annual pledge. Maybe it's just like, you know, God, if you bless me or if, I, if some things open up, I'm going to give the extra here. I'm just going to trust you on that. And we've had people do that. We've had people, and right now we, we're at the point where we, how many, we're fixing to break some concrete back over here. And we need $30,000 just upfront money to be able to do that. Maybe you can come next, next week or the week after because I'm just going to pray. Maybe God wants you to give you a, a, an offering. Just give your best. That's all I'm asking you to do. I'm, there's no pressure. I'm not going to put posters of, you know, children with malnutritious bellies. If you don't, they will die. I mean, I'm not going to give you a sad story. I will give you stories about people's lives that have been changed because people have stepped out in faith and believe God for great things. And see, you know, it's, you've already, maybe you've already made a pledge. You don't need to do anything unless God maybe speaks to you and you go, you don't want to change my pledge. You don't have to do anything. All you can do is just pray. So next week, I'm asking you to give your best, your best cash gift towards the overall pledge. And look, if you're a visitor, let me just say this. I'm sorry, this is the weekend you walked in that we're just talking about this. But I think if you're a visitor, sometimes you need to just see people's faith in operation. Because it's not about buildings. It's never been about buildings here. It's always been people. People. When I look in the crowd, I see people. And you know what I see? I see stories. I see stories of faith. I see, I just can't, you know, EJ was on the the video right before I went to Africa. The doctor said, you don't need to go to Africa now and all that. and the doctor told me, because some, some things happened, and because, well, did you already? But I said, yeah, I got my ticket. She said, well, you need to cancel your ticket. The next, next day, some things, God, God just touched my body. She goes, did you cancel that, that ticket? And I go, I don't always do everything you tell me to do. <laughs> I went to Africa four weeks after surgery. That's crazy. I look back. I mean, it's only been 11 weeks now. But I remember God used EJ. Not just on the film, but he came and he has all these little plugs he sells online. Lord, Pastor, Lord spoke to me to give you all these plugs so you can go anywhere in the world and be hooked up to the power. I go, that, I start thinking, you know, I'm hooked up to the power anywhere I go anyway. God got Jesus. But God spoke to me. He said, you're going. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so all I'm asking you to do, how many of you can pray? That's all I'm asking you to do. Pray. Ask God. Get your wife. Get your husband. Get your children. Have them pray. I heard a story a couple weeks ago about a, you know, and it's, it's just, it's, I like to call it faith to do. This is a little boy. He was in Australia and his pastor. And I told it to the guys. He, he went and, and they had a pledge for, to help some missionaries in the Far East. And they had this big pledge they were going to get. And the little boy came up to the pastor after and he gave him a piece of paper. And he gave the paper and he gave it to the pastor and, and the little boy had his name, and he says, I'm seven years old, had his name. My name is Keith. I'm seven years old, Pastor, and I'm pledging $7,000 next year. And, you know, he thought, you know, as a pastor, you kind of go, that's cute. And I heard somebody in the ladies go, oh, oh shit, baby. <laughs> you know what that little boy did for a year? He raked leaves. He cleaned out garages and sheds, mowed grass. He did all he could, and at the end of the year, he brought $7,000 back. 
for missions. It's faith to do. See, sometimes, we, you know, we, not, we, we need faith. You know, God has to open our eyes. We're aware of our community, right? God gives you a burden, and then you got to go into action. But even when you go into action, you're going to face resistance. You're going to face a lot of different things, and it's called excuses. And you'll be walking fear. I'm asking you, God, what, can you ha- what do you want us to do, and how do you want us to step out in faith and believe you for great things? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. Father, Father, I just thank you so much for everyone here this morning. And Lord, I just pray. I thank you for your word that's so rich, that brings hope. It's like a good medicine. Sometimes we don't like what, what, how it tastes going in, but the results and what it leaves, it brings freedom. It brings hope, brings deliverance. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for every person here. Lord, I thank you that every person came here this morning hungry for you. Hungry to, some came just desperately needing a word. Some came this morning because they just need deliverance and the power to live the life they long to live. And it's only found in you and by your grace. It's not something we earn. It's not something we do. It's something we trust and believe. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Bubba, I, I came this morning because I'm not know, I know I'm not where I need to be, but I don't want to stay there. I want God to live in my heart. And I believe that he died for me, that he rose from the grave. And I want to give my heart and I want to trust him with all that's in me today. If that's you, no one looking around. We've all had to come to that point in our lives. I had to. Pastor Josh, Tracy. We all had to come to that point where we realized we were bankrupt without him. If that's you this morning, say, Pastor Bubba, would you just pray for me? I want to trust God this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. You can put it down. Thank you. Thank you in the back. Anyone else? I'm not going to beg. I'm not going to plead. I'm not going to say that story. He loves you. That's why he came. God's in a good mood. All he wants to do is reveal his love to you this morning. He made you. He knows what's best for you. Thank you. Thank you. He knows what's best for you. He didn't want you to walk in defeat and rejection. He wants you to walk in his grace. They could come to you and that he would forgive you of your sins. That means that he throws it in the sea of forgetfulness to remember no more, never to bring it before you again. That's you. Say, Pastor Bubba, that's me. I want to trust the Lord with all my heart. If you raise your hand, you don't need to raise it again. Anyone else? 